and get a second doctor's opinion, but he wouldn't hear of it. There was no time or money. No, the only thing for him to do, in everyone's best interest, was to leave. Were any of the other men exposed as he was? No, he said. But then none of the other men had stood up to the corporation and complained about the unsafe mining conditions either. Had management tried to kill him? Who knows? I'm dead anyway, he answered. He asked that she put a change of his clothes in his rucksack and hand it to him through the window with some of the money from the coffee can. With much hand-wringing and tears, off he went to die at the miners' hospice in Grand Junction. After telling the tragedy to Sheriff Dutiful, she apologized for not offering him a cup of tea or coffee and asked why he had driven all the way out there. Dutiful was momentarily flummoxed. There was no use at this point telling her that her husband had been fired. He excused himself saying that there was something in the patrol car that Atomic had asked that he give her. Sheriff Dutiful had just been to the first bank of vanadium, exchanging parking meter coins for paper money. He put the bills in a plain envelope and wrote Atomic Mine McCaffrey on the front of it. He left without collecting this, he said. Good luck to you, little lady. He handed over the money and left. The night the baby came, the Mormon girl was alone. Even if there had been a phone in the creaky sheepherder's wagon, there was no one she knew to call. Confident from her experience as midwife to countless kittens and cattle born on her parents' Utah farm, she went into labor at four in the afternoon. Calmly, she boiled some water and prepared clean rags for swaddling. Things went smoothly at first. She dilated. Buster's head began to appear, albeit painfully. From the mother's perspective, the baby's skull was as large as a Hopi dancing gourd, and his shoulders were as broad as the front quarters of a spring lamb. She bore down. She squatted. She used imagery, pretending he was a stubborn piece of sourdough that needed rolling out with a rolling pin. Dithered, she even tried pulling him out by his ears. But he was just too big. A buster, as it were. Six long hours later, labor ground to a halt, with the baby hanging halfway out. To complicate matters, a storm had moved in and had blown four-foot snowdrifts across the mesa. Buster's mother decided to go for help. She put on her overcoat and headed for the highway, walking bow-legged through the snow, with Buster hanging upside down from her body, swinging between her legs like the clapper of a church bell. Fortunately, Buster's mother was young and strong enough to plow through the snow and climb three barbed wire fences. There had been much conjecture in later years as to whether this had a bearing on Buster's lagging mental development. Being introduced to the world upside down for such an extended amount of time must have had an adverse effect on him, everyone said, not least because of the lifelong scar that ran along the medial section of his skull from when Mama didn't quite clear that last barbed wire fence at the highway. It was the cowboy Jimmy Bales Morgan, the only one in town sober on New Year's Eve, who stopped to help her. Vanadium's sole doctor had recently had his medical license revoked. The closest hospital was 120 miles away. The mother had lost too much blood already, and there was no time to be delicate about it.
Jimmy was forced to make a decision that even a doctor would have been reluctant to make. In the back of his pickup were chains for delivering breech-birthed colts. And so, Buster McCaffrey was yanked roughly into this world, and his mother left it less than an hour later. That's how the sheriff recorded it in his journal. Jimmy, not knowing what else to do with this gigantic baby, wrapped him in a horse blanket and drove him and the body of the dead mother to the only place that was open that night, the sheriff's office. Sheriff Dutiful called Janet Poult and told her to get down to the jail immediately to do some emergency nursing. She had just had her fourth child. Her breasts were huge and still filled with milk. So much did she lactate that the sheriff's half-and-half and and Dr. Pepper's were forced off the shelves of the office refrigerator and replaced with ball jars filled with her breast milk.